Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Clowder from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. A reading from Corinthians. Since then, we have such a hope. We act with great boldness not like Moses who put a veil over his face to keep the people of Israel from gazing at the end of the glory that was being set aside. But their minds were hardened. Indeed, to this very day, when they hear the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil is still there, since only in Christ is it set aside. Indeed, to this very day, whenever Moses is reading... Indeed, to this very day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their minds. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us, with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit, the Word of the Lord. A Gospel reading from the ninth chapter of Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John, James, and went up in the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had to stay awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came over and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of these things that they had seen. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, the show Wheel of Fortune has a category called Before and After. It's where the contestant that solves a puzzle has to determine what the word in the middle is that links what's above it and below it. So in order to get the clue, you kind of have to figure the whole thing out and smush it all together. So today, at long last, I get to do something I've always dreamed of doing. I get to be a game show host. You know, I want to give you a couple examples. I want to give you a shot at this. I want to see how good you are at Wheel of Fortune. I think we got a few Wheel of Fortune fans in the, in the house today. So, so here, for example, if the word in the middle is eagle and the top 
has uh, got a, a little bit of open spots, and the bottom's got a few open spots. Any guesses as to what that top word might be? A bald, and then at the bottom, scout. So we've got a bald eagle, we've got an eagle scout, so we have a bald eagle scout. And no, this is not a reference to me. I'm not an eagle scout, okay? All right, good. You did great on that one, all right? Okay, so how about this one? Uh, we got, um, you know, got a little bit longer one here, and so maybe it would help to have kind of a hint as to what, what that pivot point is. What's the word in the middle? It's, it's, it's love, okay? So what do we think we have on the top? Labor of love and love thy neighbor. Oh, yeah, nicely done. Nice job. You got that. Uh, labor of loving thy neighbor. Sometimes that's probably not what Jesus meant, but sometimes that's how we feel. Okay, how about one more, all right? Um, so I'm going to give you this one. This one, uh, I'm going to, you got more of the middle that we don't know. So uh, it looks like we know what the top is, right? Unending and then like, uh, any idea? I heard that, like a river. So what's going to be in the middle? What's going to be the thing that unites the two? I think I overheard that too. Grace, unending grace like a river. So, you know, it's supposed to be unending grace and grace like a river, but unending grace like a river is pretty cool too. So sometimes, even though the things don't have a necessary, you know, obvious connection, when they're all smushed together, it can create a pretty cool image too. Uh, So today's story of the transfiguration of Jesus with Moses and Elijah is is kind of an opportunity to, to think about how all three of these uh, figures, you know, the, the, the figures from the past now coming to the present and Jesus here in the present but transfigured and, and showing the disciples kind of the future is kind of one of those before and after moments. It, it's something that's foreshadowing what's going to come and Jesus is preparing his disciples for what this is all about. What, what is the, divini- the divinity of Jesus really all about? It's probably one of the most important stories in the entire life of Jesus in fact, today is Transfiguration Sunday. It's got its own Sunday that we recognize every year before Ash Wednesday. But, you know, thinking about it, this is a pretty cool event. You know, we, we see it's, it's one of the most uh, interesting, most, you know, curious stories that we could have. But I also wonder, is it the most relevant for us? I, I mean, I, I kind of wonder and maybe feel a little guilty because, yeah, I mean, yes, the transfiguration is amazing. But what am I going to do with it? Like, what, at the end of the day, am I going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to wake up today and I'm going to say, yippee, it's Transfiguration Sunday. I mean, how many of you were like that today? Anybody? Anybody? I mean, like, Christmas, Easter, Transfiguration Day. Nobody? Like, it's one of those just weird, like, oh, you know, that, that was kind of a cool story, but, like, how does that affect me today? Like, how is it going to change my attitudes and my behaviors? What's there to talk about with a transfiguration, transfiguration story? I'm so glad you asked, okay? Because it's the before and the after moments around the transfiguration story that are really critical. Critical not just to this story, but to our story. It's the way that we function because it depends a lot on what the people and the characters around this story are doing before and after. Luke 9 is a pretty rich text because the story that contains the transfiguration has a lot of stuff happening before it and a lot of stuff happening after it. And so there's a few 
uh, critical points. And I don't think I've got a long enough or big enough Wheel of Fortune board to be able to get all of these points. So we'll just kind of start from here, right? At the very beginning of Luke 9, we've get, we got this uh, sending out of the disciples. Jesus tells the disciples, you guys are ready. The 12 of you, we want you to go out and you now have power and authority over all the demons and you can cure diseases. So go out into the world, go do it on my, on my authority and on my behalf and go do it and proclaim that kingdom of God. And so the disciples... They're gone. They go out. And then we get the next part of the story where all of a sudden we hear from this uh, sinister character, Herod, right? Herod starts to hear about all of this stuff that's going on. Herod starts to think, well, what's going on? Like, who is this person that I need to be afraid of or worry about? Who's this person who might be kind of, you know, stirring some stuff up? And all of a sudden, Herod starts wondering, well, is this, is this Elijah? And people are giving him some, some hints, like maybe this is one of the ancient prophets. One of them's like, hey, it might be John the Baptist. And Herod's like, no, 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 I took care of him. I beheaded John the Baptist. So what is this? Who is this person who's going around? Herod wants to learn more about this, this man going around the country, getting people excited, gathering crowds around him, someone who can heal and cure demons. And he's thinking, you know, Putin, I mean, Herod is thinking to himself, I, you know, he's a ruthless guy, right? He's willing to destroy anybody that comes in his way. And he plays a critical part in where this story goes. Because then the disciples come back from their mission. And on their return, they're, still, they're telling Jesus all about the great stuff. They're gathering more people. They're getting people really excited about this mission. The crowds are clamoring to come and see Jesus. And so they do... And when they come and see Jesus, he looks around and he's like, man, everybody's kind of hungry. And so he has this miraculous feeding of the 5,000 out of just a couple of loaves and fish. So much so that there's leftovers, 12 baskets full, just like the 12 tribes of Israel. And all of a sudden, people are starting to witness how amazing this Jesus is. And so Jesus pulls his disciples aside He's like, you know, people are starting to talk, aren't they? And the guys are like, yeah, Jesus, they, they have all sorts of opinions about you. Jesus is like, well, who do they say that I am? And they're like, well, you know, John the Baptist, Elijah, some of those ancient prophets, just like Herod has been hearing. And then he says, well, no, 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 no. Who do you say that I am? And Peter's got this light bulb moment. He's like, Jesus, I got it. You're the Messiah. And you might be thinking to yourself, wow, that's it. End of story. Peter figured it out. We can go home. Not so fast, my friend. Because the recognition of Jesus as the Messiah must remain a secret. Don't tell anybody that you figured it out. It's like when you're watching Wheel of Fortune, you figure out the puzzle. Who's going to blurt the answer? And it's like, no, 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 no got to wait. You can't tell anyone. It's a secret. And then he tells them what's going to happen. Yeah, it, it's great that you figured this out, but that means that I'm going to be killed and raised on the third day. And then we get the transfiguration. Peter, James, and John, only three of the disciples, go up the mountaintop and have this transformational transfiguration experience with Jesus. This is an amazing story. This should solidify their faith. Peter now should be solid as a rock. Right? Peter sets up a booth 
a dwelling, like a statue. It's like, hey, Jesus, we're going to memorialize this forever. We might even sell some tickets. People are going to come to this. Moses and Elijah, we'll put a booth there for them too. And as his brain starts to, to move, a cloud appears. And he's terrified. And something happens. And, and all of a sudden, they're so terrified. Again, they don't say a word to anyone. And they go down the mountain. And it's so weird. It's like they just return to business as usual. The, the other nine disciples are like, hey, how's it going? And they're like, we're not, I don't know. We didn't see anything. We're not gonna, we, we just were up there hanging out with Jesus. You're not going to tell them about this? Nope, nope. Now what, Peter? Now what are you going to do? So what happens after? All this context before, transfiguration moment, how do these disciples live this out? What happens after? Well, they get to put their money where their mouth is. How are these disciples at doing this ministry that they've been called to do? Well, they're pretty bad at it. A man comes up to Jesus through the crowd and says, Jesus, come on, I I need your help. My son has a demon who has seized him. And those disciples of yours, I begged them to cast out this demon, but they couldn't do it. Jesus is like, he's he's not talking to the man. He turns to his disciples. You faithless and perverse generation. He's just, it's like this angry dad, like this, like this disappointed dad. Like, come on. You guys, why is this such a big deal? I mean, it seems like such a small detail, right? Well, remember what happened at the beginning of chapter 9? He gave them power and authority over all these demons to cure diseases. And when they've come back and said that they, that they could do it, all of a sudden he's seen proof that uh, not quite yet. You guys don't quite have it down. Armed with this power, with this authority from Jesus, they've failed. They seem to have everything in place, yet they don't quite have it all figured out. Jesus now senses that his disciples are a little bit shaken, struggling. So he tries to explain this whole Messiah thing to them one more time. He's like, look guys, this Messiah thing that you think you think you know, you don't know at all. I need to tell you something, guys. I'm going to be betrayed into human hands. And they don't get it. They don't understand his saying, and his meaning is concealed to them. It's what happened before the transfiguration and after the transfiguration that really shows the complexity of the disciples. It shows us how complex it is to be a disciple. I mean, I see how there's no such thing as having it all figured out. If you ever come across a Christian who's like, yeah, I got it all figured out, be skeptical. I see how someone could look like they're on fire for Jesus one minute and then could have it completely backwards the next because we just saw it happen with Peter. You know, one of the most graceful things that could have come out of this story is learning that there's a few disciples think they got it all figured out, but they, don't, but they don't. And then what happens? Does Jesus give up on them? Does Jesus think, man, wow, I wasted my time on this lot. I'm going to go find 12 new guys. No, no, no. Jesus, in his frustration, looks on his disciples with love. And at the end of the day, continues to walk alongside them, continues to teach them, continues to say, guys, 
I need you to understand this. All right. It's time for bonus wheel. All right? Right? I know you're like, oh, man, I really loved those before and after ones. Okay? So bonus wheel time. Here we go. We're going to spin the wheel. I'm not going to use real footage. Just going to have to imagine that thing spinning and PJ Sajak's got the card. We're going to find out what we win if we win this big prize. Bonus before and after, okay? Hmm. Really long word in the middle. Something at the top. Something at the bottom. Any guesses? All right. Time's, the time's ticking here. Time's ticking. Time's ticking. Time's ticking. What do you think that top is? Trust in blank. Loves me this I know. Ah, time's coming. Any guesses as to what that middle could be? Good job, Will. It's Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Jesus loves me, this I know. Trust in Jesus loves me, this I know. When we're feeling confident in faith, trust in Jesus. When we're feeling full of doubt, when we're feeling scared, when we're worried about evil that's happening around our world, Why would a dictator attack another country unprovoked? We put our trust in Jesus to say, look, together we've got this. When we're afraid of how others might perceive us, when we are feeling judged, or when we maybe act tough so that other people think that we've got it all figured out, but maybe we feel a little broken on the inside, that's when we put our trust in Jesus. You got it right. Good job. You want to know what your prize is? A lot of money. Yeah. No. We reveal it's God's grace. You guessed it. It's the gift that never runs out. Before, now, after, and forever. Amen. Well, that's it for this week's sermon. Thank you for joining us. Look for more information on faithfl.org or certainly reach out to the office if you would like to receive weekly email updates. Thank you.